All right. Shalaklaka, send for your souls. This is the 37th Parsha. Um, it comes from Bamidbar or the Book of Numbers. And I'm going to talk a little bit this morning about fear and faith, of course. Very connected concepts. Certainly, there's a lot of fear going on. And this week's Torah portion. The children of Israel, as they traveled the wilderness, had a couple really uh, very significant events that affected them negatively. Uh, and a lot, it's generally, you could say it's because of their fear. The first, of course, is in Shemot or Exodus, the golden calf incident, where Moshe has gone up the mountain, he's been gone for a while, the people become fearful. And in their fearful state, they do sometimes what people do when they're afraid is uh, they revert back to what comforts them. And so they reverted back to the idolatry that they were comforted with in Egypt. And that turned out to be a very bad choice. And they were almost destroyed over that had it not been for Moshe praying, beseeching God on their behalf, sparing their lives. Something very similar, at least the pattern you see it, happens, of course, in this week's Torah portion. More, um, more fear, of course, that would be the, from the report. Fear is something that's a difficult thing to sort of pin down, because you can view fear from many different angles. One interesting angle is that fear is implied as sin in John's book of Revelation. We're going to be jumping around here a little bit this morning in the time I have with you. Turn to Revelation chapter 21. This is page oh, 1554, perhaps, if you have the Stearns. We'll look at a little bit of fear here before we just sort of get our head wrapped around what fear looks like biblically as long as we're talking about it a little bit. The book of Revelation, chapter 21. Okay, chapter 21, I think I'm going to begin reading in verse 9. Then the one sitting on the throne said, Look, uh, I am making everything new. Amen. And, uh, also, he said, Write, these words are true and trustworthy. And he said to me, It is done. I am the A and the Z, the beginning and the end. To anyone who is thirsty, I myself will give water free of charge from the fountain of life. He who wins the victory will receive these things, and I will be his God and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the untrustworthy, the vile, the murderers, the sexual immoral, those involved with the occult and drugs, idol worshipers and all liars, uh, their destiny is the lake burning with fire, sulfur, uh, the second death. So when you look at that long list of things there, 
that uh, lead to death, there is a word there, it's called untrustworthy. <clears throat> In the Greek, it's apistos. And so it comes from the Greek word pistis, which is a word that's usually translated as faith or faithfulness. All through the New Testament, there's pistis all over the place. That's the Greek word for faith or faithfulness. So it's implied that a lack of faith is, or faithfulness, they mean a little bit different things, and I'll get into that in just a second. But this lack of faith or lack of faithfulness is a sin, sort of as bad as all that other stuff in there. There's another uh, way to look at um, fear, which is a, really a lack of faith. That's what the two are sort of connected at is um, 1 John chapter 4. Go back just a little bit, page 1527. It's just back a few pages. 1 John chapter 4. It's just back a few pages. Um, chapter 4, verse 17. Here is how love has been brought to maturity with us. As the Messiah is, so are we in the world. This gives us confidence for the day of judgment. There is no fear in love. On the contrary, love that has achieved its goal gets rid of fear because fear has to do with punishment. The person who keeps fearing has not been brought to maturity in regards to love. See, we find Moshe intercessing on behalf of the people. But the sin that they have still demands punishment. They're still going to die in the wilderness because of their fear. Fear is not necessarily an emotion or something that they are. Fear is focusing on something like their circumstances. They're not focusing on God. They're focusing on their circumstances. They're saying, what if? They're saying, in a sense, they're saying God is not big enough to handle my problems, so I need to be in charge and worry about something else and have fear about something else. The book of 2 Timothy tells us God has not given us a spirit of fear. So perhaps, perhaps, <clears throat> perhaps the spirit of fear is the fruit of the adversary. You can choose to have fear or reject it. Rejection of fear implies some sort of faith. This week's Torah portion, of course, is um, the tale of the spies or the tourists, perhaps. Um, that would be Bamidbar, chapter 14. Page 164 gives us what Bonnie began read, reading for us. Chapter 14, verse 1. At this, all the people of Israel cried out in dismay, right? They're fearful, <clears throat> wept all night long. 
Moreover, all the people of Israel began grumbling against Moshe and Aharon. They're just, uh, once again, that's kind of their MO, right? Grumbling and uh, either get back to Egypt or let us die. Verse 5, Moshe and Aharon fell on their faces before the entire assembly. And um, Yehoshua, the son of Nun, of course, and Caleb, the son of Yufne, um, from the detachment that reconnoitered the land, tore their clothes and said to the community of Israel, uh, we passed through, uh, the land we passed through in order to spy it, spy it out is outstandingly good. If Adonai is pleased with us, then he will bring us into the land and give it to us, a land flowing with milk and honey. Just don't rebel against Adonai. Don't be afraid of the people living in the land. We'll eat them up. Their defense has been taken away from them, and Adonai is with us. Don't be afraid of them. And so they're getting sort of a good report here from uh, a couple of them, um, Yehoshua and Caleb, but the rest of them were fearful. What's, it seems, if you begin to read the entire story, the very first verse of this week's Torah portion makes it sound like Adonai sent the spies out. Adonai, send a Moshe. Send out your men um, on your behalf. Send men on your behalf. And as uh, we read in uh, Deuteronomy 40 years later, and Moshe re recounts the story, he says that he sent them out. But it really doesn't matter who sent them out. What matters is, is their lack of faith. Uh, in our Torah readings today, Bonnie Hafner uh, read this, but I think this kind of is a good summary of this whole thing, is Deuteronomy chapter 1, verses 22 through 33. Forty years later, Moshe remembers this, sums it up well. Um, it's on page 196, if you'd like to follow around. No, it's on page 197. 22, Devarim, or Deuteronomy, chapter 1. Moshe says, You approached me, every one of you, and said, Let's send men ahead of us to explore the country for us and bring us back word concerning uh, what route we should be going up and what cities we will encounter, what they're going to look like. This idea sounded good to me. So I took 12 of your men, one from each tribe, and they set out and went up the hills and came to the Eshkol Valley and reconnoitered it. They toured it, took a little look around. They took some of the uh, produce of the land and brought it down to us, and they brought word back to us. The land of Adonai is giving, is give, the, land our, the land Adonai our God is giving us to us as good. But you wouldn't go up. Instead, you rebelled against the order of Adonai your God, and in your tents you complained. It is because Adonai hated us that he brought us out from the land of Egypt, only to hand us over to the Emory to destroy us. What sort of place is it that we're heading for? Our brothers made our courage fail when they said the people are bigger and taller than us and the cities are great and fortified. Finally, we have seen the Anakim there. And I answered, don't be fearful, don't be afraid of them. Adonai, your God, who is going ahead of you, will fight on your behalf just as he accomplished all those things for you in Egypt right before your eyes. And likewise in the desert, when you saw how Adonai your God carried you like a man carries his child. Along the entire way, you traveled uh, until you arrived at this place. Yet in this matter, you don't trust Adonai your God, 
even though he went ahead of you, seeking out places for you to pitch your tents and showing you which way to go by fire at night and by a cloud during the day. That pretty much sums it up. They didn't have trust. They had fear. They didn't have trust. They didn't choose his ways. See, up until this time, God really uh, imparts specific directives to Moses, tells them which to go really every step of the way. He's leading them by fire and by smoke. That's sort of when he lets these people loose to do their own thing that things really start to go south immediately almost. They can't make one right decision when they go out and try to do their own thing, which should really say something about their focus and about fear. I mean, the element of choice, of course, is sort of a life mission of ours. We have an element of choice. We have to make choices, make good ones, um, but we have to choose his ways, which is increasingly more difficult in this world, of course, because the world is obsessed with doing the opposite of what God says. And so um, that world system, though, that's really a result of fear. You see so much fear in the world is what is driving their anger and their madness. It's a fear of the economy. They have a fear of the climate ruining the earth. They have a fear of Russia. There's all this fear and anxiety amongst the world out there, and that is what drives a lot of their craziness. They have fear. They don't have any faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Faith is trusting and um, being confident of what we hope for, convinced about things we do not see. The world is just kind of opposite of that. The world's only convinced of things they do see or things they can define or redefine. Those are the things that the world wants. But faith is the opposite of that. Faith is focusing on God. Faith rests in God, trusting in him to take care of the future. That takes care of fear. And so faith is good, amen, but it's more than just a cerebral exercise. Um, it's not just a mental state. There's a difference between faith and faithfulness. See, Faith is believing in the hope, and that is a good start. But faithfulness is living that faith out. Faithfulness is the practical side to faith. In Torah Club, we've been talking a lot of the, about the practical side of, of the faith. And we've been reading last week, we were studying the book of John. Um, and I'll close with this, because this really will help, uh, will help kind of bookend fear to faith and, and having faith and faithfulness. Because the cure to fear is faithfulness. John chapter 15. It's the parable of the vine. It's on page 1351 in the Stearns. John chapter 15, verse 1. 1351, yes. Yeshua is talking here. He says, I am the real vine, and my father is the gardener. Every branch which is part of me but fails to bear fruit, he cuts off. 
And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it bears more fruit. This is good. This is what we should be being pruned. Right now, because of the word which I have spoken to you, you are pruned. Stay united with me as I will with you, for just as a branch can't put forth fruit by itself apart from the vine, so you can't bear fruit apart from me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who stay united with me and I with them are the ones who bear much fruit, because apart from me you can't do a thing. Unless a person remains united with me, he is thrown away like a branch and dries up. Such branches are gathered and thrown into the fire where they are burned up. If you remain united with me and my words with you, then whatever you ask, what you want, it will happen for you. This is how my Father is glorified in your bearing much fruit. This is how you will prove to be my Talmudim. Now let's think about that. This is how you will prove to be my Talmudim. To prove something, it takes a little bit of action. I can tell my wife I'm going to do the dishes this week. She's going to tell me, prove it. You know, just me saying something or believing I'm going to do something doesn't quite, she wants me to prove it, right? That's faithfulness. Faith is believing I'm going to do something for her. Faithfulness is me doing it. You should be faithful. That's how you prove something. He says, this is how you prove you're going to be my Talmudim. It takes, you have to prove it. You can't just believe this. You have to prove it. That's such a, uh, such a tangible verse there. Just as my father has loved me, I have loved you too. I have loved you, so stay in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will stay in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commandments and stay in his love, I have said this to you so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. That there gives you a great framework for uh, what do you do to prove that you follow that same pattern. By staying connected to Yeshua, the, the branches bear the fruit of love, but love for the Messiah entails obedience to his teachings and to the Torah. He said, if you keep my commandments, you will abide by my love. You know, orienting ourselves to the Torah places our focus on God, and I think this is what many people miss out on. This is what the world misses out on. And that's why they're less prepared to deal with fear, in my opinion, is because they don't, it's the system that they're in. They're not focused on Torah. They're not focused on God. There's a lot of great Christians out there with a strong faith, don't get me wrong, but with a lack of focus on the foundation I think some people are just less prepared to deal with fear. Lancaster continues on a summary. He says, The disciple who bears fruit walks in the love of the master, which includes love for brothers and love for one another, obedience to God's commandments and the Torah, and the advancement of the kingdom. If we understand the fruit as the result of discipleship to Yeshua, then bearing fruit is equivalent to the imitation of Messiah and walking out the love of Messiah. And so when we are, are like Messiah, we show ourselves to be his disciples. We prove ourselves. That's how you prove your disciple. Luke 6.40 says, Everyone, after he has been fully trained, will be like his teacher. In this ever-increasingly fearful and chaotic world, 
May we increase our faith for the sake of faithfulness, for the sake of proving ourselves. And of course, the most effective way to accomplish this is to remain focused on Torah through the, through the lens of Messiah. Psalm 119 says, How I love your Torah, I meditate on it all day. I am wiser than my foes. Because of your mitzvot, your mitzvot are mine forever. I have more understanding than all my teachers because I meditate on your instruction. I understand more than my elders because I keep your precepts. I keep my feet from every evil way in order to observe your word. I don't turn away from your rulings because you have instructed me. How sweet to my tongue is your promise, truly sweeter than honey in my mouth. From your precepts, I gain understanding. This is why I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp for my foot and a light on my path. So may we remain focused on Torah, of course, through the lens of our Messiah, Yeshua, living out Torah as Yeshua lived out Torah. May our faith in him replace any fear that we may have. May we learn from uh, the mistakes of those who went long, long before us about fear and about not trusting in Adonai, not trusting in his ways, that we can trust that word if we stay in that word, that anything that the world offers us is not going to place any fear in us because our faith isn't in the word, isn't in the world, it's in the word. So may that faith turn into faithfulness, of course, which, which is good fruit, and may we have love um, for others and for each other, just as Yeshua loved us and as he loved the whole world. Shabbat Shalom.